Welcome to No Biz Like Showbiz. Today's episode is the rise to stardom. I'm your host, Katie Cipher, and I'm going to be telling you about what it's like auditioning and performing professionally on Broadway. Think of the last Broadway show you saw. Have you ever wondered what the audition process is like for the actors or how the show comes together? Picture yourself in an audition room after waiting for hours to sing for multiple judges and casting directors who may or may not give you a role on a Broadway stage. Pretty nerve-wracking, right? Let's jump way back for a second. The history of Broadway dates all the way back to the 1700s. Starting in the early 1900s, Broadway theaters started to use giant lit-up signs to advertise for their shows. These bright lights in New York City were called the Great White Way. During the Great Depression, Broadway didn't do as well. Broadway producers ran out of money very quickly and many shows weren't selling as much. After the Great Depression ended in the 1940s, Broadway started to become very popular again. This period was known as the Golden Age of Broadway. Many iconic Broadway shows that are still relevant today were premiered on Broadway for the first time in the 1940s. Some of these musicals include Oklahoma, Carousel, Kiss Me Kate, and Annie Get Your Gun. To learn more about Broadway from the perspective of an actress, I interviewed my voice teacher, Jacqueline Pirro Donovan, who was willing to share with me her perspective on her career on Broadway. This is the rise to stardom. Let's go on with the show. Hi, so I'm here with Jacqueline Pirro Donovan, my voice teacher. And um, I'm going to ask you some questions about performing and your career and all that. So um, let's start off. When did you start performing? Uh, the first show that I did, I was probably, uh, in ninth grade and it was a new show somebody made called the princess and the pirate. And I played the princess and, um, I had, you know, been in choir and stuff like that during grade school and during junior high. But in ninth grade, I did that. Then I went to what was called the spotlighters of Linfield and that was a community theater group. And I performed with them all through high school. And then I um, continued on my training into college at Boston University before heading to the city. Mm-hmm. So how did you, like, how did you find out that, like, you wanted to do performing? Like, what got you started? Like, what motivated you to get started with it? I think um, I might be... Uh odd in this sense but I literally came out of the womb knowing I used to run around the house when I was like four years old and I would scream at the top of my lungs that I was going to be an actress and (laughs) 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 and um you know I I never wavered I always knew it's what I wanted to do and I always knew I wanted to be on Broadway and um you know perseverance and training prevailed um so what's what's your favorite thing about performing and being on the stage um I think you know it is obviously it's a lot of hard work but I think my what I really enjoy is that it takes people away from their life for three hours and that's what it how it does its job you know just um giving people uh, something to think about or giving them a respite from their day. Um, just entertaining them makes me incredibly joyful that people really appreciate it and like it. Uh, the other thing that I really like personally is um, a bit of a perfectionist, and I enjoy that I uh, can 
especially in a long running show, um, every night you have the opportunity to try and make it better, you know, try and make it feel like it's the first time for an audience and which is important because they've paid a lot of money. Uh, but that, that challenge like really, um, uh, kept me going for years and years in the business because, uh, you can never really be perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's something to strive for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of like pleasing others and being in an audition, what is a typical audition day like? Like, and what's like a typical callback day? Like how do the auditions happen? Kind of. Okay, so for me, they're a bit different than if you're going to a call, what we call a cattle call. Um, at this point, and like once I've really started working, there are appointments through my agent. So for me, it's going, hanging out, waiting outside the door, you know, uh, pr- before I go in, preparing songs, preparing sides that they've given me, and then going in. And usually by this point, I know almost everybody. So, you know, it's kind of chatting and um, catching up and then doing everything that they want you to do in the audition room, you know, singing the song, doing the scene. If you get lucky enough, they'll give you adjustments and, um, then, you know, waiting for a callback. Then callback is normally the same thing. Once you get, if it's a Broadway show, normally this has happened to me a couple times at the final callbacks, they'll pair you up with people if it's important to them. So that can also be a, a part of the callback is pairing up. But um, when I was younger and I went to some dance calls, totally different. Because you walk in, you learn a combination, you do the combination, like usually three or four at a time, and then they cut. And then those people that stayed do another combination and then they cut. Then those people stayed, do maybe a 16 bar cut of their song audition, and then get a callback. You know, so it's, that's a more grueling process, I think. Um, and you know, one of my favorite stories is I had gotten out of college and I had an agent, but they did not think that they could get me in for Les Miserables. And, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the open call. So I woke up at 5 AM. I went down to the, uh, audition room and I signed up and I waited now they do it differently. It's all online because this was like 1987. Um, but I waited for five hours. I sat there and waited. And then I finally got to go in and audition. And from that audition, that is how I booked Cosette and Les Mis, when my very first big job. Yeah. And that does, that does not happen often. But um, like I said, I was really aggressive and I happened to look like Judy Kuhn, who was the original Cosette, and they, you know, and I could fill the shoes of the role. That's exactly what they were looking for. So in that sense, I, you know, determination and aggressiveness met opportunity and luck. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool story. Um, so along, like, the course of your career, what are some, like, obstacles that you've faced and how have you, like, overcome them? Wow, that's a really good question. I would say the biggest obstacle that, for me, but for most people in acting, is the, um, you know, getting turned down, the constant uh, criticism, and that can be very wearing. But I will say 
Um, I used to care a whole lot about what people thought. Um, when I was just when I got out of college, my early twenties, I was very aggressive. So that was good. I was really determined and that was good, but I really, really cared. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to do exactly what they wanted me to do. And, um, at some, at some point when I lost my hair, when I was 35, I literally stopped that. Jackie has a condition called alopecia, which causes partial or complete hair loss. I, it made me think about why I thought I was interesting, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And that really lent itself hugely to strides in my performing because I stopped paying attention to what the judges want. And I started paying attention to how I felt and what I wanted. And it, that's a, a, you know, a, I guess you could say at least I learned the lesson, but it's a bummer that I didn't learn that earlier because it's really important as a performer to not constantly be trying to please others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another question. Um, as a child, like, what was your favorite Broadway show or what was your, like, dream role and have you ever played it? Okay, so yes and yes. I... Um, I grew up on, my parents were not in theater, but they were big theater supporters. So I grew up with uh, the original My Fair Lady album. That's the only, that's the one role that I never got to do that I wanted to do was Eliza. But I grew up listening to My Fair Lady and Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar and Sound of Music. So the first time I got to play Maria in Sound of Music twice, and most recently I played the Mother Abbess. So that was super cool. When I, I think that was like 1995, when I played Maria was just trippy because my sister and I used to, you know, listen to the album, run around the room and sing 16, going on 17, jumping up on the benches and kicking like she does in the movie. I mean, it's, you know, it was... It was really fun, though. I love doing that role. She works incredibly hard in that show, but um, but it was it was uh, definitely a dream come true to be able to do it. Um, so your first role that you played on Broadway was Cosette. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I had first done I had first done the original tour, so I toured the country first, and then I went to the San Francisco company and I opened that company. Um, so I did two separate rehearsal processes for the show and I opened San Francisco in 1989, which was crazy because that was the San Francisco earthquake, which I was really ready to come home. But, um, I stayed there for about seven months. Then I came home and I went into the Broadway company. That's really way back only in the third year of the Broadway company when it was at the Broadway theater before it moved to the Imperial theater. So I was the third Cosette. So Judy Kuhn originated the role. Tracy Shane took over for her and I took over for Tracy Shane. Wow. Yeah. What was your like reaction? Like how did you react when you found out that you got the part? Oh my God. I cried. The, the really cool thing is because the casting director is the one that I met at the open call. I think that he, I now, being older, I now understand his point of view. I think that he was so excited that 
they were casting me. He called me. My agent didn't even get the call first, He, which is really abnormal. He called me to tell me that I had booked Cosette in the tour. Wow. And um, I remember it really well. I was painting a shelf in my bathroom and my parents were visiting and I picked up the phone, you know, there was no, you didn't know who called back then. I picked up the phone and I was like, I was, I just, I thought when he said you booked the show, I thought he was going to say, you know, you booked a double cover because it was very um, common that Cosette and Eponine had the same girl covering them. Two girls in the show covered them. So there were two double covers. And I thought because I sang soprano and I belted that that's what I had booked. And I was like almost dropped the phone when he told me I booked Cosette. Because I was really like, oh my God, can I really sing like that? <laughs> anyway, it was, it was a great, great moment. Jackie is the only actress to have ever played both the roles of Cosette and Fontaine in Les Mis on Broadway. Here is a clip of her singing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis as the role of Fontaine. I dreamed a dream in time gone by When hope was high and life worth living I dreamed that love would never die God would be forgiving. What, um, like, Broadway's, like, it's more than what happens on stage. Lots of, like, memories and, like, shows happen, like, in backstage and rehearsals. Do you have, like, any, like, funny stories of any, like, rehearsal times or, like, any time, like, backstage during a show? I do. Um, a lot of them, ironically, come from Les Miserables because... Because of the turntable, the turntable had to, the turntable had tracks in it and the turntable had to turn to line up the tracks so that the large barricades could come on stage. And it almost like back then, it almost always something happened. And it's, um, I developed this thing that I still do to this day, that if something starts happening on stage that goes wrong, I stand right on zero right in front of the conductor and I don't move and I just keep singing because so much is going on behind you one of the funniest times was uh the last night at the Broadway theater before we moved to the Imperial um I they, back then they had to reset the turntable so it would it would get all out of whack and then they'd have to like run it like boom boom, boom, and it would just keep going around and around and around. And it happened all the time, right when Cosette walks on stage and sings her song. So I am I start to sing the song, I feel the turntable moving, and I'm like, oh Lord. And so I'm trying to walk to stay down center as much as I can so that the thing just keeps going. But what ends up happening is the gates don't come on. I can't do the blocking with Marius and Eponine. So we're moving around opposite the turntable. But then as it starts uh, on the attack on the Rue Plumet, when um, Tenardier comes in, he, oh God, his name was Ed Dixon. He, he is such an amazing um, performer. He walks on stage. And at that point, they full throttle the turntable. They turn it up as fast as it goes. And he's literally running, and there's a bench on stage. 
So there's only a bench, there's no gates. He's running, going, what a palava, what an absolute treat to hear. And he's just screaming, running to try and stay downstage and leaping over the bench every time he comes <laughs> flying around. <laughs> it was then during the most precious time with Cosette and Marius, when they're singing A Heart Full of Love, the gates come like, come, 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 flying on stage. And Hugh Panero was Marius at that point. And he and I are just trying, doing our best to not laugh, but it was just, it was hysterical. It was one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me in my career. <laughs> yeah. Lots of stuff happens with props oh and gosh. things. Like whenever, so, whenever you're working gosh. with props or a complicated set, there's always like a risk of something going wrong. Totally true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, like during shows, like when you're like backstage or when you're on stage, were you ever like nervous or if so, how did you like calm down? Okay, so uh, I still get nervous and um, usually I get nervous if there's somebody that I you know want to impress in the audience or if it's the very you know first audience or the first couple of weeks of a show. Um, but different things I do, I usually try to focus as hard as I can on the, the task at hand, meaning like, what am I doing in this scene? Who am I talking to? What am I trying to get from that person? And I try to really push my focus towards what's going on in the show. If you can focus on that, then it takes away the um it to some degree it takes away the nerves um so that i would say is the biggest thing that i do and then i also i think i've even said this to you before i try very hard to talk to myself and that's something that i learned how to do probably in my late 20s where instead of being on stage and constantly saying to myself, oh God, you cracked, that's awful, you sound awful. You know, I started just completely starting to say to myself, yeah, you, you got it, it's good, you're going, it's good, don't worry, here we go, breathe, keep going. So I learned how to be my own cheerleader, which is uber important, especially when you're carrying a show, you can't get off the stage, you do nothing but talk and sing for three hours. And that's an imperative skill to learn how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, lots of times when you go on stage, like, you feel nervous. And it's good to, like, give yourself little pep talks and just say, yeah. keep going. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, and I'm sure that's in almost any, you know, field where you can either be your own best friend or you can be your own worst enemy. So I just decided that I was going to be my own best friend and try to... Um, calm myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the last question, um, do you have any words of wisdom or helpful tips you would like to give to young performers who dream of being on Broadway someday? Well, I would say train, train, train. I really believe in training and learning your craft because exactly what we just talked about, Katie, the things like um, overcoming nerves, all of that. A lot of that is manageable with training. 
If you have, if you're trained vocally, then you can sing eight shows a week. If you really know the ins and the outs of your voice and how to negotiate different things, being sick, being tired, then you can get through the eight shows. And you want to, to do that obviously without, with as little um, anxiety as possible. Because what can start happening is you can start getting really anxious. So if you train, and you know more about your voice, you know more about your um, acting chops, what, what you need to do to break something apart, how you need to attack it, then all those things you can rely on when you're nervous, when you're sick, when you're tired, just like dance, same kind of concept. If you have a lot of training, the training will take over when all those things happen, when you're, um, slightly compromised and it also obviously is going to happen when you're at your best as well but um you can never do eight shows a week perfectly in the best health it's really not possible so the, i found the more i let myself off the hook the more i know what i'm doing the way more relaxed i am on stage the more connected i am to what i'm doing the more the audience enjoys it and the better i am at my job that's good wisdom yeah, training is important. It is. It yeah. totally is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's good to know, like, what kind of performer you are, like, what exactly. your voice is like. It's good to, like, get used to, like, performing often and going to auditions and practicing. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that I think is really great about what you guys at, at Front and Center is um, – you are learning at a young age, like more about yourself and about the business and about what's out there. I didn't learn that until I got into college and not even really until I got into the business. My first sit down with an agent when I got out of college, he said to me, tell me what's on Broadway right now that you could, you think you could do. And I was sort of dumbfounded because I didn't even really know what was on Broadway. I didn't know what, where I fit in which is really important. You need to know where you fit in so that they can fit you into those slots, you know? So it's, it's definitely interesting. You guys are way above the curve. To sum up what Jackie said, training is key to being successful in the performing industry, and this goes for any other sport. In order to be good at a certain sport, you must have proper training in order to build up strength and stamina to potentially become a professional athlete. She also explains how training will help you mentally prepare in addition to physically prepare for auditions and performances because then you'll know how to get used to performing when you're sick or tired or nervous because when you train, you audition and you practice so many times that eventually you'll know what to do in one of these circumstances. Since then, Jackie has been teaching as a vocal and acting coach and performing in various regional theater productions across the country. I would like to thank Jacqueline Pierre Donovan for sharing her story and her experiences with me. After talking to her, I realized that you can be successful when you work hard and put your mind to it. I think we should all consider the advice she gave about training because it's universal in that training is essential to being successful in any kind of career or profession.